Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. This is episode number 56 and our guest today is the wonderful Melissa from Fly South Management Music Group Management. I think it's management. Let's look it up real fast. No, it's Fly South Music Group, but they are management company. And Melissa is the merchandising director for Fly South Music Group over there and Eh, she's got some pretty cool tasks under her belt. So when a band goes and makes merch, I know we've talked about in the past, hey, this is the person that sells it on the road, but back at management or at a label sometimes, they are actually working directly with the artist to come up with designs, uh, get them approved, and then print a merch line. And that merch line might be used for tour or for an online release. Whatever it is used for, it usually goes to the band for approval. So that's kind of what Melissa's job is. And she works with it's a lot more difficult than that. You know, she's coming up with the ideas, sourcing the product, and she'll get into what it's like working with an artist, you know, to find some designs and do collaborations and things like that. I really enjoyed the guest this week because, you know, Melissa herself actually hit me up and we haven't talked in a while. And that's mostly because, well, I don't really work directly with her. And I really enjoyed that aspect of this podcast is there's all these people that I know and I work with because maybe a band I work for works with them, or maybe they're on the management team of a band I work with, or they are the label, something like that. But me, myself, I don't directly work with her unless I was maybe helping with a merch design. So this podcast has kind of given me a a route to go to these people that are my peers and listen to them on a whole different level. And I think I, my eyes really opened when Mike was on here and I just got to hear him so well practice, just speak about his job. And you know, it's been happening over and over and this week with Melissa as well. It's been really nice because I've, I've known them for 10 plus years, but we're just kind of friends. So this is nice. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining me and reaching out and being open to being on the podcast. I appreciate it. This week, before we get into the podcast, obviously I need to tell you about our new patrons. We have one new patron this week, and her name is Alex. We got Alex. And I'll be sending out your welcome packages to the last few people that have joined because I'm a little bit behind, but I appreciate your patience. My life has been a little bit crazy, but this podcast is keeping me sane, and I appreciate everybody for listening, all the patrons for making it and keeping it commercial-free. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. Take it away, guys. Hi, Melissa. Hey. How's it going? (laughs) I'm good. I'm excited. Let's do this. I'm excited too. And I already commented before we started, but if you're watching this on video, well, if you aren't watching this video, you should because you have very nice decorations. You know, I have a four-year-old. It's Christmas. Got to go all out. Congrats on four-year-old. I think I remember back four years ago now when before you had him and it's crazy. It's been four years. I know it is crazy. The first year feels real long. And then after that, it starts to speed up a bit. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even imagine. I, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, like all of our friends and you included our people are having children and I'm not jealous, but I really look forward to that part of my life. And it makes me so happy to see everybody raising their children and what an amazing process that is. So I don't know. Are you enjoying it? You've had a lot of home time with him, I'm assuming because of COVID. Yeah. I had three months at home with him while working in the middle of COVID, but we got potty training done. So that was a plus. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I haven't really gotten to take him to, you know, a big rock show or anything yet, which I'm looking forward to. And hopefully that'll happen in 2023 or 2022. I don't even know what year it is. So (laughs) yeah, they're all kind of blurring together. Yeah. That is probably a 
Now that is definitely a very amazing aspect of working in the industry and having kids is being able to take them to a show and get the big ear muffs, ear covers, ear plugs, you know, over the ears and just have them yeah. standing side stage freaking out. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. And I'm kind of excited for him as long as I stay in the music industry to become like a teenager and actually think I'm cool. Cause he <laughs> likes, he likes daddy more than me right now. So you're like, mom <laughs> knows these bands. She works with them. I'm like, I can get you into shows for free. Yeah. You gotta, excited. gotta, yeah. They'll, he'll, he'll notice your value soon enough other than just right. as a, as a mother. Yeah. That'll be awesome. <laughs> I wish I grew up with parents that were in the music industry. That'd have been cool. Yeah. I did not. Both of my parents worked at state farm in Bloomington, <laughs> Illinois. So. I know where that is Bloomington. <laughs> yes. There's some small venues there. I think I've been to, it's like right outside Chicago, right? It's like two hours South of Chicago, two hours North of St. Louis, right in the middle of Illinois in the cornfields. Oh, wow. Okay. There is, there is a venue. It wasn't there when I was growing up, but it's called the castle theater and they do a lot of shows there now. It's a pretty cool venue. It's super, you know, historic and stuff, but yes, Midwest, we're both from the Midwest area. Well, like I know Midwest is a big area, but I consider like Chicago, Minneapolis, Madison, kind of its own little hub, but yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into the good stuff here. Well, it's all good stuff. But so before we figure out how you got to where you're at, I want to just do a quick version of your job because I'm not making this mistake anymore. I want to set everybody up for like what we're talking about and I want to make sure they know, okay, where did she end up? And then we'll go how we got there and then we'll talk about your job. So what is your job in the music industry? When people ask me that now, the the quickest thing I just say is, you know, when you go to a concert and you see the band selling, you know, a full product line of merchandise, I help put that together kind of thing. But it goes beyond that where I, I oversee online sales and marketing and retail also. Okay. And you're working we've kind of gone over this in the podcast, you know, there's a manager and then there's all these little branches that come off the management, whether it be a lawyer or a publicist, and you're working with that management on their team, right? Yeah. So I got into the business working for a record label and then eventually now I work for a management company. So I've kind of been on both ends of the spectrum. Management's a little bit different because you work more directly with the artists, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. And we'll talk about the difference between that when we get into it, but can you tell me a little bit more about, you sent me like kind of a list of what you did and it got me really excited because I was like, oh, she worked at Fueled by Ramen in 2000, in the mid early 2000s, which was like, if there was a place to work in merchandise in the music industry, that I felt like that was it. They had so much merch for those artists. Yeah, honestly, you know, in the thick of it, it was stressful and, you know, at times hair pulling. But looking back on it, I was, you know, I feel very lucky. You know, I started, like I said, in the Midwest. I went to school at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. And when I was a sophomore there, I joined just a little group that was all into alternative music. And we started putting on shows. If you had like an on-campus, you know, oh, nice. organization, you could rent out the ballroom for free. So we started putting on shows and we would have like a big headliner from Chicago come down. And then we had, you know, a local high school band open up and then a band from the university would be in the middle and kind of got into it that way. I actually was very into like Photoshop and graphic design back then. I taught, I taught myself how to do Photoshop back then. And 
just through networking and web boards and all of that stuff that existed back in the early 2000s. I met a lot of people. I, I did a lot of online websites for bands, um, Spitalfield. Oh, yes. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but the, a lot of them were local, but Spitalfield bands, was on huh? Victory. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Victory. Um, and another one of the bands that I uh, made a, a website for was Rehasher, which is Roger from Less Than Jake's kind of side project band. And that's how I, you know, met all of the Fuel by Ramen folks at the time. Less Than Jake was on Fuel by Ramen back then? Yes. It was actually Vinny the drummer and then John Janik lived together in a dorm room. Oh, wow. On the University of Florida campus in Gainesville. And they started it in their dorm room. So that's how it got started. And when I was a, I guess, junior in college, I had to decide I wanted to do a um, internship. So I was like, well, I could either move to Chicago for a summer and, you know, intern at Victory, or I can move to Gainesville, Florida and intern <laughs> for Feel by Ramen. Gainesville, man. For people who don't know, it's it's pretty out there. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that really exists there is the co- the university. Yeah. So, but also at the same time, I was like, well, I can't really afford on my own to live in Chicago for three months. So yeah. I went with Florida. Um, I also knew more people just through my, you know, networking and stuff that mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like a good fit. So I moved to Florida for three months and lived in Gainesville the summer of 2003. I respect that. Yeah. That's a, I mean, you, you, you say it, sorry, I wanted to say something really fast. It's hard to interrupt you. I mean, you say it so casually. I moved to Florida for three months, but for some people it's like, damn, that's like a life. I don't know if at the time it was a lot harder of a decision, but you say it now like, yeah, so then I moved. So respect yeah. to that. Well, I was a little bit lucky because Adam Smillion, who I'm, I believe you know, I do know his Adam. girlfriend at the time needed a roommate for the summer, so it kind of worked out where oh, that's great. You know, I had a place to stay and stuff. But um, yeah, I moved there for a summer. Realized Gainesville was not really where I wanted to live, but I got a lot of good experience because Fuel by Ramen at the time was so small. They only had like two full time employees. One of them went out on work tour that summer. And so I kind of got to fill in for him and uh, do graphic design. It was right after they had signed Fallout Boy. So I made like a Fallout Boy book cover for back to school and things like that. That's a pretty cool uh, first gig, especially especially because of how big they've gotten. You know, what a right. career they've had since then. That's amazing. Yeah, it was literally in like a storage unit, kind of. It's hard to describe, but the door had just one like square glass window. And that was the only window in the place. In their office building? Yes. That's great. <laughs> I did not know that. I love hearing these stories of how things started. Yeah. So again, I feel like I got lucky. I graduated college uh, May of 2004 with an advertising degree and John Janet called me up and he said, I'm moving the label to Tampa. I need someone to oversee merchandise and online store stuff. Would you come work here? And I said, show me the money. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. I just was like, this is what I want to do. My parents were very skeptical because as they should be (laughs) an industry that they knew anything about my mom's was in management and my dad's an accountant. So they just had no idea, you know, what I was getting into, but luckily they supported me and helped me move down there. And I mean, 
the rest is kind of history. I worked there for nine years through, you know, all the early 2000s where pop punk and emo was blowing up and it was a crazy time. We had lots of fun. I can't even imagine. Yeah. A lot of hard work because it was a small company, but we all went out together after work. We pretty much all just kind of lived together, (laughs) all the employees there. So it was a lot of fun. Definitely look back on that very fondly. Do you guys, I I would love to, obviously it doesn't make sense on a podcast, but I'd love to see photos from back then. Do you guys have it like archived? Cause that, it sounds like some amazing times and you guys were truly, I mean, as corny as it sounds like kind of making history, you created a lot of artists careers that are really, you know, quite monumental in this industry. Yeah. I mean, I have a good amount of photos. They're mostly like party photos Johnny yeah. Minardi, who now, you know, is A&R at Electra. I think he has more photos of like the office and just like everyday office life. But you got to remember back then you had to have like a separate camera. Yeah. It wasn't on your phone. So I feel like there is less pictures being taken. Uh, the, the sidekick was a big thing back then too. I was never cool enough to get a sidekick. I never had one either because it was just the start of smartphones and you would go out and people would just be looking at their phone on instant messenger the whole time. So, you know, yeah, it was a weird time. Yeah. Just remember the flip. Yeah. The flip of a sidekick. (laughs) I was like, that's cool. I don't have enough money or I can't convince my parents to pay for that. I'm too young. Right. I just had a normal little razor phone, man. I need to hit up Johnny. He does have some good stories and I'd love to see some photos. Yeah, you should. He's done a few podcasts at this point. So I think he's seasoned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's a good, I like, uh, he's always got a happy, I don't know. He's just got this happy energy to him. I love talking to him. Yeah, me too. I've known him since he was like 16 or 17. So that's awesome. You guys go back. Yeah, we do. It was very exciting when we both found out we were getting hired at Feel by Ramen because it was someone else we knew there. Oh, you guys knew each other prior to working at Feel by Ramen together? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He had, I mean, he was in the Chicago scene. He had Little League Records, his yeah. own little label and stuff and signed the Academy is. And Who was that with? What's his name? The tour manager now? Tony Marino. There we go. I knew it was another amazing guy. Yeah, Tony Marino. Yeah, that's such a cool story. I love hearing about all these things. Yeah. So... You know, I worked at Field by Ramen for nine years. So, you know, at one point we had a printing press in the warehouse and realized that is not (laughs) fun. You're printing your own shirts? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. I I wasn't in charge of overseeing that, but we did print shirts for a while and decided that's not You should hire somebody else to do this probably. Yes. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Somebody else loves this. It is not us. Right. I don't know that anyone loves it, but there's people that do it, you know? Hey, fair enough. And then Peel by Ramen got bought by Atlantic in 2007. And a lot of people moved to New York and I had moved from the Midwest. And I said, I don't really want to move back to where it's cold. Yeah, You don't want snow again. Yeah. Luckily, uh, John was cool with that. So I stayed down in Tampa and ran a warehouse for a while until we decided to move all, you know, the merch to an Atlantic warehouse and have it fulfilled by more professionals versus interns. And (laughs) for a bit, it was awesome. I'd go up to New York for a while. And then John decided he took a different job. He's the president of Interscope now, which is amazing. Pretty sweet job. Yeah. Um, And at that point, you know, I had known uh, my boss, Mark Mercado, for a really long time. He manages Paramore, who Mm -hmm. I've known since their first release. And they really wanted a merchandising 
person within their management company, which doesn't really exist very often. I don't know if we're the only ones, but probably one of the only. Still till this day, right? Like currently, not a lot of people have it in management. Okay. Yeah. I don't know of any... I mean, there might be some, but I don't know of any management companies that have their own in-house like merchandising director that oversees all merchandising stuff. So before John Youngman, who's my other boss, was handling that and they saw a need where it's like, oh, if we bring someone in, not only will this take, you know, merch off our plate, but you know, hopefully she'll help grow our merchandising, which will help our bands, but also help our company. And that was the main reason to bring me in. So just so I understand and everybody understands, can you explain or break it down on a, on a very simple level. I know that for your management company and your artists, you guys handle merchandising, but how is merchandise usually handled with other artists then? Is it through the label? And before you answer, just to clarify for everybody listening, we're not talking about the people selling it. We aren't talking about anything on the road. We're talking about who makes the decisions to create it before it even hits the shelves. So this is like the birth of the merch. And how does that usually work for most artists? A lot of artists sign, you know, deals with merchandise companies, whether that is in the label sense, a lot of labels now have what they call 360 deals where merchandise is included with their record cycles. So, you know, Warner Music Group has their own merchandise company and Interscope has their own merchandising company. Is that Bravado? Is that like a merchandising company? Okay, gotcha. I know one thing. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, some bands will sign that. It just depends on, you know, if you want a big advance up front, like a big piece of money up front, then maybe you'll go to one of those merchandising companies. But for most of our artists, it just makes more sense to not take those advances and to kind of handle it in-house that way you end up making more money doing it that way. It's just more money, but delayed, right? It's over time. And when you're saying right. advanced, what that means is like, if I was right. in a band and Bravado was like, Hey, we want to sell your merch for the cycle. They would give me a hundred K or a million dollars. And then I would sell until I paid that back or is right. Until you recruit, until you recoup. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of those companies are big corporate companies. So they have, margins to hit and flaws. <laughs> yes, there's flaws. There's disadvantages uh, when you work with any big company, whether it be yeah. attention or, you know, any you know, money is their goal. And I, I would assume the advantages are inherent with the management where it's like, Hey, we're on your team a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm not trying to diss on any, you know, corporate merchandise company. There's just pros and cons to whatever yeah. route you take. That's fair. So when you started working at Fly South, which is where you work now, I don't know if we've officially said that, but Fly South manages, or Mark has managed it, Paramore a long time, which was uh, on Food by Ramen before. And uh, I don't know their label now, but I, I know that you work with them on the management side. So your role here, or one of your main roles is product line development, correct? So you work with these artists to kind of create what they sell. Yeah. It's basically just an extension of their brand overall. So it starts with the album and you know, what is the branding? What are the colors? You know, what are the lyrics, all this stuff that we're going for and how can we extend that brand onto merchandise? So I work with, I mean, with Paramore's uh, world, we work with Warner music group because that's, you know, the company they work with. So they have a whole art team I send them kind of some direction and they 
run with it and then send me back. Here's some art. And then I go to, I go to Haley and we kind of look through it and decide, you know, what we approve and don't approve. And that's kind of the process. And we do that for touring. We do it for online pre-orders. We do it for retail orders through Hot Topic or any other, you know, retailer that's interested in carrying it. So it's really just, it's a creative outlet that goes beyond the music. And I know, yeah, I know when music started, it was like, here's our album. Here's the album art. You know, we make a lot of money off the songs. Maybe some of the packages have shirts or something like that. But I feel like, and I I want you to officially correct me if I'm wrong or tell me what's going on here. I feel like merch has become way more of a prominent piece of what artists are selling in the past like 15 years. Can you talk about that progression for me? Yeah. I mean, when I started, I was honestly like a little bummed to be working in merchandise versus like the music side of things. But yeah. As it's progressed, like you said, you know, merchandise is one of the only ways bands really make money anymore. At least so far, you can't, you know, download a t-shirt and wear it. (laughs) So it's become definitely a huge revenue stream for artists. And it's really important for their overall, you know, success. If you look at 2020 as an example, when artists couldn't tour, we were still able to do a lot online in their web store to help them sustain themselves until the pandemic was, I mean, it's not over, but you know, they're back out on tour now. Um, So it's a really important, you know, part of just life for bands and getting money. (laughs) Yeah. They're trying to make a living, feed their families. Yeah. So I liked when you were talking about specifically, well, I imagine the relationship with each artist is very unique and very different. And you said with Paramore specifically, you work with one of the members to kind of come up with the designs and get okays on everything. Is that the same with other artists or can you kind of talk with, I know we don't have to give names because you know, it's it's a private relationship, but can you explain to me kind of the different dynamics of these people you work with? Maybe just a few examples. Yeah. I mean, all the artists are pretty different. Some artists have specific designers that they like to work with. And they kind of just let those designers do what they feel is best. That's like the best case scenario because (laughs) it's someone they trust and that really understands their brand and their art and what they're going for. And then you have other designers that, you know, are still trying to figure out their brand and they don't really know. And you kind of work with them just based off okay, I mean, lyrics are something that people really attach to. And so a lot of times we'll use lyrics and I'll send those to graphic designers along with the songs and say, you know, listen to these lyrics. These are the standout ones. Let's create a design around these lyrics. Because if you see a t-shirt and it's a lyric you really resonate with, that you're more likely to buy it. So yeah. And rep it. Yeah. I'm not as young as I was. Obviously I was younger before now. In time. <laughs> There's no other, other way to say that statement, but I remember band t-shirts when you're in high school are such a, you know, important way to speak your feelings. And it's cool to, I don't know. It's cool to hear that artists really care. I know they care because they want to make a living off the merch, but I know that mm-hmm. they care also how their brand is presented and how people will feel wearing the merch. And it's cool to hear that like, that's a real thing that happens. It's not, you know, on the back end 
they're not making these choices. So, oh yeah, they're, I mean, all the artists I work with definitely yeah. care about their merchandise a lot. I mean, yeah. and it's not just, again, like it's not just about to make money. It's about expressing their brand in a different way and making sure it goes along with everything else they're promoting their music. So, you know, everyone has, it just, some bands have more direction, like art direction and exactly what they want. And other bands can tell you what they don't like, but not really express exactly what they want. So you kind of have to work, yeah. you know, with them a little bit more, but we always get to the the final product line. It always happens. And uh, for somebody from the outside looking in that isn't me, they might not realize this. So I just want to bring this point out, but your job is really important because you're kind of like an interpreter because designers speak a certain language, management or office world speak a certain language and bands definitely speak a certain language. And if you weren't in the middle of all these threes and they were talking directly to each other, it would probably be a disaster. There'd be some feelings hurt or miscommunication. So what are some, I I almost don't know how to ask this question, but I just want to know like what it's like being in that position and how your mindset kind of changes when you go to these different groups. I guess I'm always mostly interested in talking with artists because I think that's the most unique situation, but you know, I feel like that's an important part of your job. There wasn't really a question there, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is hard to navigate between graphic designers who that's their job is to create designs and yeah. like the artists, because a lot of times the graphic designers will create something that they think is amazing, but the artist isn't loving it. And you yeah. kind of have to figure out, you know, how we can make this work or do we start over and artists in general, I mean, musicians and graphic designers are both yeah. artists and artists are very passionate about what they do. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of melding of two types of art that takes a little finessing sometimes. What are, uh, what are some requests? And obviously again, I'm not asking for names. I'm just want to know the thing. Are there any requests that you've gotten that you're like, you guys, this is not viable. I love you. Like I love working with you, but we can't make custom car hoods. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is there anything that people have come to you with where you're like, this is crazy, but I love it. I mean, sourcing is kind of one of my favorite things to do. That's basically yeah. like when a band comes like, can and we says, do this? yeah, can we do this? And I like to be the person that figures out how to do it. It's like a little challenge. You're like, oh, can we do this? Yes. You want to say yes, obviously. Yeah. So I can't think of any off the bat that I haven't been able to pull off, but I've done like luggage before. I've done, you know, candles. I've been involved in doing a custom like fragrance. Like it's just, there's just tons of things, which I enjoy because once you do it one time, you know, at some point another band's going to ask to do it. And then you can, you already have that in your back pocket. So I know the process of that might get a little bit technical and not too interesting to talk about, but more or less you're taking an idea and then you're going around and finding, are you finding factories? You're just finding people that can create this thing. And then you're running the numbers to be like, Oh, we can make a candle. We can make, is that kind of how it works? Yeah. You just have to find a manufacturer. There's a lot of companies in the U S and they kind of work with companies outside the U S and, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, you have to be able to, you know, make a little money off of it or like, yeah. you know, cover your time at least. So a big problem is that, you know, minimums 
are a big deal where your minimum it'll order. Be like we yeah minimum order we can do this but you'll have to order thousands of them and you know that's not very realistic yeah can you sell a hundred thousand candles or not right <laughs> like <laughs> some maybe people we can, can. <laughs> yes some people can hey respect no that makes sense okay so i mean we talked about you know, you work with designers and those are artists and they make designs for you. And you, you, a few of your artists probably have designers they work all the time with. Like I know Mike works with a data member a lot and um, mm-hmm. he also works with Ice Nine Kills and he's his art is just amazing. But if somebody wants to break into this as a designer, as I know, a lot of people can design at home. They do it at home, you know, they get better and they love the bands, they want to work with them. Is that mm-hmm. something like, let's say they literally sit down on their computer, who do they reach out to? Maybe specifically in Fly South world? And I'm, I'm not trying to get you a bunch of emails, but specifically in your (laughs) world and then in other worlds, like labels and things like that. Like, how do you establish those relationships? Yeah. I mean, for Fly South, we do have an email that you can email. It goes directly to me and send me your portfolio or Instagram. Like Instagram these days is key. I have a band that sends me just, you know, they find an artist on Instagram and we're like, we really love this stuff. Like, and then I'll reach out via Instagram. Yeah. So we want to work with you. Yeah. I do get, you know, people that send emails through the, just the submission page or contact page on the fly South music group website. Um, and that's great too. So that's where I would start as far as record labels and all of that. I'm not sure, but I, you know, it just takes a lot of poking around, you know, just go to Melissa. Don't mess with anybody else. Yeah. Just come to me and then I'll, push you, you know, elsewhere to other places. But I would just, it used to be, there used to be this website called, I think it was called MTs. Yeah. I remember MTs. Yeah. And I think there's other websites now too, where you can go and just submit your design. And I used to use MTs a lot just to kind of like look for new, new designers and see different, you know, every, every designer has their own style. Just look for something specific and reach out to people that way. Unfortunately, I don't believe that site still exists, but there's similar sites or something. Yeah. I'm sure there's similar stuff out there. And we'll figure it out. As you were saying that I was thinking about just a random story and I probably worked with you on this, but back when I toured with the data, remember they would see fan art that they really liked, even just on Instagram and they would reach out to those artists and they would pay them and print their merch. And I thought that was so cool because I mean, that's the best way to get good art with good lyrics and, you know, get it from the Yeah, fans. that is. I mean, that is another good way just by, you know, adding the band, but that does happen a lot. I mean, with Haley, her solo um, album, there was a lot of fan art that she found that we used for merchandise. So just got to push yourself, get out there. Shoot your shot. Uh, music industry is so cool like that. You can just kind of do what works. And if the right person see it's it's all about the right person seeing it at the right time and the right mood. Right. Like, oh, I do like this. I'm going to send it to Melissa. We're going to print that. Yeah, it is a lot of luck, but also hard. it is hard work too. I mean... Mm-hmm. I did a lot of, a lot of work to, you know, get where I am, but at the same time, you got to network and kind of get in there and meet people and do things. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I did, you know, like I said, I did graphic design and websites. I booked small tours for yeah. local bands. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do in the music industry, but I knew I wanted to be in it just cause I loved music so much. So just kind of have to throw yourself into it and try to you know, figure it out along the way. But I definitely feel like 
internships are super helpful. And we started this podcast initially speaking more towards touring. And since then, it's Mm -hmm. kind of evolved into just the music industry in general. And I think I found myself going down that path because everybody kind of starts in one area and eventually goes to another and then another. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was really interesting to me that everybody just wants to work in music. They just have to find their path. And I like having people like you on who maybe have not, I don't know fully if you've never toured, but maybe haven't uh, toured for a living or just, you know, dabbled in it and have just gone kind of, I don't know what to call it, like the office route. It sounds like so unintentionally negative, but I don't mean it that way. It just, yeah, like the office route, where do people usually start? I know you said internships are the best. This is every management company and label. Do they generally, do you guys have interns right now? Is that like a ongoing thing at most companies these days? Well, not since the pandemic where no one's going into offices, but before that, yeah, most companies, you know, our office is located in Orlando and there's by a coffee shop. That's really yeah, good. There's a university there uh, called Full Sail, which is mostly music and entertainment. So we get a lot of interns from there. Okay. But one of our, one of my coworkers, I feel like she did such a great job interning. You know, she interned, she went to school in Nashville um, at Belmont. She interned. Oh, nice. I know Belmont. We have some yeah. people on here that go there. That's amazing. Nice. So she interned at like a business management company who, you know, they do accounting and just overall finances for artists and entertainment. She worked near, she interned at, you know, another uh, management company. And then through all of that is how she got kind of put into fly South because we were looking for someone at that point and she had made all these connections. So I feel like you just have to really put yourself out there you can't just like sit at home and think you're going to get a job in the music industry. <laughs> I mean, some people do, I guess, but it's not how it usually works. <laughs> I mean, and you can probably add more to this story. I know there's a, an amazing human that works with you guys named Bing and mm-hmm. Bing. I remember when he started with you guys because I was with, I did remember. And all of a sudden this guy just showed up at our hotel with like passes and he was running VIP on the tour and nobody knew who he was yet. But now he's been with you, like he just worked, came out, did VIP and climbed his way up. And I think he's managing and, you know, he's at Fly South now as working for a while. And it was cool seeing like, oh, he's just really doing the damn thing. Just working hard. Yeah. Bing and I started the, at the same time. And oh, really? Okay. it's really cool to see him and Elena, which is the coworker I was talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. Kind of She's really amazing. Like, you know, move up. They're much younger than me. So they've got that time, you know, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it is cool. It just goes to show like, again, if you really want it, you got to just get into it. Doesn't matter, you know, figure, you don't need to figure out exactly right out of college, what exactly you want to do in the music industry. You just have to throw yourself in and you'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I feel like we've totally gone off the rails as far as merchandising, but <laughs> I'm here to pump some people up. <laughs> yeah, merchandising is our launch pad, but we could talk about anything. You know, I the, the goal for me is always just to tell a story and have a conversation with the person that I'm talking to that they can only have. And it's good to learn about merch, but it's better to learn about things that people can apply to their, you know, I want them to understand the big picture, but I also want them to have some little picture stuff. So it, right. it, it's nice hearing from multiple people, even if it's the same thing in in different words, just, you know, this is, it's validating to know, like, this is really how it works. You really just have to get into it and try it because that's just scary, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I forget how scary it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the reason that I never went out on tour going back to that is yeah, I actually got, 
(laughs) (laughs) I actually got offered to go out on tour one summer when I, I must've been in college, but my parents were like, uh, my daughter in a van with a bunch of dudes selling t-shirts. I don't know. That's not going to work for us. Yeah, nothing sounds, know? uh, doesn't sound very, uh, enticing, right? <laughs> but now look at me. I have a job where I help sell t-shirts. So yeah, I don't know, mom and dad, I made it. <laughs> yeah, you did it. I, I will. That is actually an, uh, a thing that I want to talk about. And sometimes I, I maybe not feel bad, but I hope that it's an okay question for ask, asking you, but gender is often brought up, especially like we have so many people in our Patreon who are amazing and uh, prominently uh, women, and they often run into issues with gender, especially in touring. I don't know if it exists as much. I'm sure it exists, but maybe not to the extent it does on office-related jobs. But did you have any obstacles related to that in your journey? And uh, if so, would you be comfortable sharing? If not, that's okay. I, I hope that's not too forward. Oh, no. I mean, I have been lucky to not have any negative, you know, experiences, but I have worked with pretty much all men for my entire career, minus, you know, a few women here and there who have become like some of my best friends. It's definitely, especially back when I got into the industry, was much harder for women to do it because a lot of men, maybe not a lot, but you know, at one point I did get the comment that she just wants to do this job so that she could hook up with band guys. Yeah. And that was definitely not, you know, my end goal. I wanted to be there because I wanted a career in music. Yeah. So obviously that's shitty. I'm listening and I, I apologize to interrupt. I just have to say like, I don't approve of that. Obviously just keep going. I'm, I'm all, I'm all ears. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the end of it. But when I heard that, I was just very appalled. And, you know, that is not who I am as a person. So, yeah. but I, you know, being in it, especially during when Feel by Ramen was huge and we were around our artists and stuff, you know, I would see a lot of that action going on and it's definitely gotten better. I've been in it now for 18 years. So that's a long time. Yeah. I think that uh, if it hadn't, we'd be in trouble, but the culture itself has changed a lot since I first started. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that from you. And I think I've witnessed it myself that with the popularity of the internet or rather people just speaking more as a whole and not so much just knowing about their own unique situations, it's brought the bad things out and the good things have been made more available. And you know, just doing this podcast, trying to get people on tour, get people into the industry. It's nice to be able to say like the way it was then is worse than it is now. I don't know how, by how much of a degree, but there's very few people in my age group that remind me of old road dogs or the people like when I started touring, they were out there, they were kind of like rough and uh, sexist and kind of mean, like it seems to have changed. It's much more like we, and uh, it's nice to hear that from you, that you've seen that uh, on the back end and hopefully we can keep going. Sorry, go for it. Oh no, I interrupted you. Um, I feel like a a lot of the most, you know, powerful people I know in music these days are women, which is super exciting. And not to say that, you know, I'm not trying to be super feminist and put men down or anything, but it's, it's just gotten, you know, people are seeing the value in, in women's voices and that's great. Just diversity, man. It's great. Mm -hmm. I I like having it as well. Yeah. I know we kind of got not off topic, but we kind of went all and all, all over the place, but just to circle (laughs) back to 
the career you have, which is, let me see if I can, is merchandise management the right name to call it? Is that what you would call it? Um, I I go by the title merchandising director. Okay. Let's use that. I then. think that's just for title purposes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I oversee everything merchandise, you yeah. know, and then take it off the plate of management management. All right, cool. I know we got a little bit, not off topic, but we've, we've jumped around a few different big categories, but let's circle back to a little bit more about your merchandising director job and And, you know, when I go on tour, I just see the merch fully completed in all of its glory on whatever the merch person decides to hang up. But I know a lot goes into this and you play a heavy role in that. Do you think we could talk? Let's talk a little bit more about that. So what goes into creating a product line for a tour? And if you want to use a specific artist as an example, cool. If you want to use your general idea, that's fine too. Whatever we can do to kind of lead people through this process would be amazing. Yeah. So when we get a tour announced, it's kind of, it kind of kicks off right then. We have to have all of the stock in production, basically like a month out from the start of tour. And okay. then we kind of work backwards. So that's where it needs to be done. A month prior to that, we should have projections done, which is basically we look at previous sales from earlier tours and we look at the capacities of the venue we look at ticket sales. You run the numbers. Yeah. There's a lot of math. I only took like one semester of math in college, but yeah, I'm doing math every day. Excel spreadsheets are my life. But yeah, so we, we kind of look at all those numbers to determine how much stock we're going to need. We don't print it all up front, but we do usually print at least like half up front. And then as the tour goes, we see what's selling. We reorder based on what's selling. But basically, you know, we have to keep the band with merchandise to sell or they're losing out on profits. So that's like a big part of the touring merchandise product line that I feel like people don't really know the behind the scenes of because they just buy the shirt. It is. Yeah, they just go up and buy the shirt. It is a lot of work, though. You know, it's about three months out. We start working on designs and then. Two months out, we start doing projections and kind of try to start locking in what are the products going to be. And then one month out, we go into production and make sure make sure it's going to you know be delivered on time. And there's a lot of moving parts there. Like when you say, hey, we're working on designs, that means that a designer is doing a design, they're sending it to mm-hmm. you or you're sending it to a label and then you're running it by the band and you're getting the okay and you're going back to the designer. And I imagine you must be a very organized human being because it sounds like you've got a lot of moving parts. Yes, I have to be. <laughs> I mean, I feel very organized and there's still some days where I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot about that. You know? So, yeah. and when you have multiple bands out on multiple tours, you know, when touring start, you know, started kicking back up, all bands wanted to go on tour at the same time. So we had a lot of bands out in the fall, all going at the same time. And a lot of it is also communicating with your guy on the road. I know you did a podcast with Jordan. Oh yeah. Amazing. Jordan Lovis. If you haven't checked that episode out, he's probably worked with you many a times. Yes, definitely with a day to remember. And I try to work with him more, but he's always, you know, so busy. So (laughs) he's with some crazy artists too. Yeah. So uh, great for him. But yeah, it's a lot of communication with the seller. Hey, here's tracking and a packing list for what's showing up in, you know, Minneapolis tomorrow. Make sure you get it, count it all in. Um, We use this app called App Venue, which tracks all the sales. Um, The seller uses that, you know, to take payments. 
And then it's all, they sell settle out at the end of the night. And then I get that sales report. And that's how I know how, you know, I look at that to figure out how much we should reorder and what the band's going to need going forward. So how many artists are you doing this for just out of curiosity? Because I'm hearing all this. And for one artist, it seems like a lot, (laughs) 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 which I'm sure, you know, right. It is a lot. It depends on the artist. Cause you know, we've got artists of all different calibers, you know, so we have artists in doing, you know, 4,000 capacity rooms. We have artists doing 500 capacity rooms. So it's all the same process for every artist, but you know, the 4,000 capacity room obviously needs a lot more merchandise usually. So yes, no, that makes sense, man. Every time I learn about the music industry, it takes me back to, I try to think back to you and I don't know if you can remember this because it's been at least 18 years for you, for you. But when you (laughs) went to a show and you just didn't know anything that went into anything, you're like, Oh, there's lights. Oh, cool. The band's on stage. There's a backdrop. And you just know, and oh, their shirts are here. And you just think like, it just appeared there, I guess. But then you hear about it all. You're like, oh my God, this is a machine. I'm witnessing the results of a big machine. Yeah. I I mean, I actually think back to when like cell phones and stuff didn't exist. And how do you even, you know, get in touch with your artist who's overseas and all of that seems crazy to me. I mean, when I first started, we first started in the touring industry to like sound scan your album sales on tour, you had to fax them that. in, which is so insane. <laughs> oh man. Now it's just part of the app that we use and it automatically goes in. And the band doesn't have to like go find a fax machine at like the FedEx Kinkos or whatever. Yeah, everything's a lot more streamlined and easy these days. But I hope people are listening or taking notes of all these little apps and everything that she's mentioning because if any of these jobs are something you want to get into. It's just good knowing about these things so that, you know, you can fake it till you make it a little bit, not so much faking and just making it. So it helps. So I I appreciate all these things you're sharing that are probably pretty well-known and simple information for you in your life, but it's a lot for anybody who's listening. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Sorry. I feel like we've talked in circles, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, merchandise related, but Oh, I do like handle the retail stuff, which, you know, it's not as exciting as touring or online stuff, but might be worth talking about. Yeah, let's do it. And I know that these days, well, you could probably agree with me back in like 2005, Hot Topic was the place. Like, Mm -hmm. I think like you can confirm with me on numbers, but didn't bands used to make like a pretty big lump sum off these Hot Topic checks? And now it's like, where did, like you still do merchandising, but is is it become more of an on the road thing than it was then? Like, has it just shifted or where, I don't know where I'm going with this question other than it used to be merchandising used to be a bigger deal or what is it like in this current day, I guess? In retail? Yeah. Like, or anything, like, is there more aspects to it that maybe I'm not aware of? And I don't even know to ask that question. No, I mean, retail, I mean, Hot Topic for sure is still a big player. It just depends on what sells at Hot Topic. Like if you are a band and your demographic matches the Hot Topic demographic, you're still doing pretty well. What's the demographic these days out of curiosity or like what kind of artist does well there? I mean, we have Falling in Reverse and they do really well there. So that would be, you know, but they have a similar vibe of that Hot Topics always had. And yeah, it makes sense. Um, 21 Pilots has always done well, but they're, oh, yeah. you know, a huge band anywhere. So, you know, that's maybe a little bit different. And you could put them in Urban or. Yeah. Paramore and uh, Haley do well there too still. So, yeah. Yeah. It's one thing that 
when I started at Fly South was, you know, we set up our own vendor account with Hot Topic. And so I get the orders directly and I work with a printer on the West Coast and they deliver it directly to Hot Topic. So it kind of cuts out a middleman, you know. How does it usually work? Usually bands, you know, they have a merchandising deal with a label or like we spoke about at the beginning. Yes. Right. Or another company. And that company handles that. But again, there's a middleman cost. So yeah, that's an unnecessary, I'm sure maybe it was more necessary, but the the industry has changed so much that, and I think it's cool that your management team has so much in-house because there's a lot less moving parts, a lot less room for error. And that also cuts down on costs and maximizes profits. So do you think that moving forward, do you think what you guys do at Fly South will become more normal at other management companies or how is the industry kind of working in this direction or is it changing as a whole, if at all? I think so, but I still feel like there's still a big need for labels on like the radio front um, is a big thing and just, you know, getting into those, you know, on the late night show performances and things like that. But overall, you know, I kind of hope it starts to trend more towards management opening their own kind of label. We actually do have um, a record label that our general manager, Wayne, runs with our band Periphery called uh, Three Dot Recordings. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we are doing some of that. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) They're also a big merch band, so they're fun to work with. Yeah, you know, I think every situation is different for each artist, and you just kind of have to decide what's best for your career if you're an artist. Yeah. Don't fuck up artists. A lot of pressure. Figure it out. Just kidding. Okay. Well, before I get you out of here, let's talk a little bit. You know, you work at this group we've talked about, Fly South Management. They're a management company based in Orlando, Winter Park. What do I say? Yeah, it's Winter Park, but Orlando is, you know, here's their exact address. Show up. (laughs) No, don't. Uh, But, you know, Melissa, tell us about everybody who worked there. I know, I know we kind of covered, but a big part of this industry is you got to support your friends. And I, you know, more importantly, like your colleagues are your friends are the people you work with all day. So who is fly South? And if somebody maybe wanted to apply for an internship, how could they do that? Yeah. I mean, the company as a whole is very small. There's only eight of us. So it's John and Mark are the partners. Wayne is like, he's a manager as well. Also kind of oversees, you know, weekly meetings and things like that. Bing's in management. Elena started out as social media stuff and now she's moving into trying to become a manager. And then we've got Chris uh, Kutzer who does a lot of our in-house like graphic design for promotions. He also has done a lot of like packaging art. He did the art for Haley Williams solo stuff oh, that's cool. this year. So it's beautiful too. Well done, Chris. Yeah. So I think that's everyone and me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've always, you know, I've worked in small companies at Field by Ramen. Then I worked in a large company as, you know, Warner Music Group, Atlantic, Electra, And I've always kind of been more into the smaller companies because you have this kind of team feel Mm -hmm. And you all work together and in sync and, you know, you celebrate your, your goals and 
all of that stuff. So definitely thanks for letting me give them a shout out. Yeah, of course. And if somebody finds themselves living in Florida or is looking for their entry to the industry, is there an email they could shoot in just to, you know, like you said, you kind of just got to put yourself out there. It can't hurt. Is is that something you guys are available for or not really? Yeah. I mean, we were taking interns before the, like when we were in an office, but we, let me see. You're complete remote now. Yeah. Everyone's remote currently, but that might not, you know, be the case. There is like a, an FAQ at flysouthmusic.com mm-hmm. um, that says like, I'm a freelance photographer. How do I get a photo pass? And it okay. has an email. Let's see. Employment opportunities, internships, and email info at flysouthmusic.com. That okay. kind of thing. So. Yeah. And if, if you guys want to, you know, if this seems like a place that you'd want to even check out for an internship, they do have some information. We'll leave it in the podcast caption. Feel free to check it out. Maybe you're in Florida and you're looking for somewhere to internet. So, you know, you know, at least Melissa is really cool and you know, she's vouching for everybody else and I can vouch for them. They're pretty cool. Except for no, Bing's awesome too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you, Bing. All right. Yeah. And we have had a lot. Yeah. We have had a lot of interns, you know, over the years that go on at, you know, and now we're working in the music industry. So yeah. definitely never hurts. Um, I think, you know, you got to get your foot in the door. It's an Mm -hmm. industry where you can't just apply out of the blue. I feel like, I mean, some people probably do get their jobs that way, but I think for the most part, it's through knowing other people and, and doing the internships for sure. Yes. No, I mean, it's cool having such a great support group at fly South and thank you so much for taking time to kind of walk me through these things that I just didn't know happened because it helps me respect well, obviously I always have respect for you, but it helps me respect what you do when I don't see you. Like, I'm just like, oh, I see this person, they're at a show. I see this person, you know, they're at a party, but what do they do when they go to work? And it just helps me understand like, oh, you know, this is a lot of work and it's cool to learn about it. So thanks for taking an hour out of your day right before the holidays to sit down and chat with me about it and yeah, for listening no, to the podcast. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Did you, uh, yeah. How'd you feel for, for the listeners just to let you know, I'm going to put you a little bit on blast. This is your first okay. podcast. How did it you is. feel? Are you, did you freak out at all internally or did you, could you relax into it? I don't know. What was, what was your take? I think I relaxed into it for sure. I was a little nervous. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really but intimidating. So, you know, I know, well, I know you, so that makes it a lot easier, but also I hate hearing my own voice and that's always oh, tough. We all do. <laughs> Not your voice, our own voices. <laughs> We all hate your voice. We all hate my voice. I get it. Um, All right. Well, I know that you have not toured, but before I, well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on here. I know I said it, but thank you again. But if you were to tour, we asked this question, I'm sure, you know, shower shoes, no shower shoes. Come on. Like, what would you do? I'm going to be the gross person that says no shower shoes. That's not Only because I did not wear them in college when everyone else was wearing them, like in the dorm showers. So I'm not that, I'm not that scared of feet things. I mean, when you're washing your feet in the shower anyway, right? Yeah. (laughs) Bloomington, Illinois taught you well. That's what happened. I mean, (laughs) down in the corn. I don't know. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that will end us for today. Thank you so much, Melissa. Have a good rest of your Friday. And I hope to see you IRL in real life soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Enjoy your holidays. Thank you. 